Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. I always tell myself that the day I stop having butterflies in my tummy before I preach, then I know it's time to pack it up. <laughs> that means you have started taking it for granted, all right? So I still, I still feel jittery every time I, I step up here because I, I understand that it's a privilege, it's an honor to, to do this. It's, it's an honor, it's a privilege. It's, it's literally the greatest privilege of my life to be able to, to say that, you know, I'm your pastor and that you keep coming back and you keep showing up. <laughs> that alone is another, you know, it's another blessing. So I don't take any of this for granted at all. I miss you guys. If you didn't miss me, me, I missed you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you're joining us online, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Um, for, this, for this first reading, I want us to pick up our Bibles before we have our seats. Let's read, let's read Mark chapter 10. Before we start joking or doing anything, let's just let's read this together. Go to Mark chapter 10. Pick up your, your physical Bible. And um, Samson, you're going to help me with the slides for the people at home. I won't... So just help me with the first reading. We'll come back to the confession. All right, let's, let's go to Mark chapter number 10 and just read this together from verse number 17. We're going to read to verse 31. If you are there, say amen. Okay. We're reading from the New King James translation. If you don't have the New King James, don't spoil our reading, okay? So <laughs> look, look on the screen, all right? Let's go. One to go. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. You guys need to do this louder, okay? Verse 20. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you would have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible but not with God. For with God, all things are... How many people are glad that with God, all things are possible? With God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time 
houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the first and the last first glory be to god may the lord bless the reading of his word you can have your seats god bless you um let me see here I just wanted to say that from now on, every time I preach in this place, you people have to clap for me. Because you clap for Pastor Dyer, you clap for Dockers. Never in my life have you ever clapped for me after I finish preaching. <laughs> so from today, it's a rule. <laughs> if you don't clap today, I will just, no, after I finish, after. <laughs> because I was watching. You clap for, I, I'm just like, look at these people, they are clapping for Pastor D. Like, I, okay, I'm just saying, no, from now on, every time I preach, you have to clap. If you don't clap, I'll just hand over to Samson to come and be preaching from next, <laughs> from next week. <laughs> okay, that, that will be the way we're going to do it. All right, let me see if I can find a joke here. Even the joke, Docker's joke, you laughed. I'm like, look at how they're laughing at that joke. Hey, you can't, you don't laugh at my own life. Let's, we'll test the theory this morning. We'll see whether you will laugh. We'll see. Okay, so I'll do two. The, other, the second one is a bit, you know, is all those ones that need, you know, some time for it to sink, but the first one is straightforward. So let's see, let's see how it goes. A young boy was visiting a church for the first time. He stopped at the war memorial in front of the church, and then he asked the pastor, who are all those people? The pastor replied, those are the men of this church who died in service. The young boy looked puzzled and amazed and asked the pastor, okay, so did they die during the morning service or the evening service? The boy is trying to figure out, should I go home? <laughs> because I don't want to die. Well, you know they were talking about, about service as in war service, right? Yeah, but the boy thought they died in church. Nobody dies in church. A stern priest in rural Ireland had issued a warning to his congregation against dancing in public, believing that it's a device of the devil. But a few of the young people in church disobeyed and attended a party at a neighboring town. Finally, it reached the ears of the priest. And meeting one of them on the streets the next morning, he looked angry and said to the lady, Good morning, child of the devil. The lady looked back at the reverend and said, Good morning, father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if I'm child of the devil, you are my father. <laughs> All right, let's take our confession and say this with me every day and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have come before your word again today like people that have found a great spoil. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear, eyes that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. I ask that you anoint me and my lips of clay. Let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any outside force so that at the end of this message, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're starting a new series for the month of August. Um, I'm going to be here for the entire month to take you through this. And we've called this Discipleship 101. And the concept of 101 is taken from uh, college education, as you know. If you're, you're doing you know, a new subject matter, 
they will title it 101 as the basic, and then maybe you do 102, 103, and then you move to 201, 3 or something, 4 or, you know, advanced like that, right? So this is pretty much basics of discipleship. The basics, we're going to start from ground zero, take it up, define the terms, you know, and all those little, little things, and then we move it up gradually uh, up to the fifth week. Um, the only challenge is that I have six messages that I want to preach, <laughs> but there's only five weeks, so I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, you know, I am not a Saturday night pastor. Uh-huh. You know Saturday night pastor? That is on Saturday night that the pastor prepares the message for Sunday. Uh-huh. I promised God when we were starting this church that I would never do that. That I would take this thing too seriously to do that. And my wife knows that even up to up to next year, I have messages that I have prepared till the, till next year. Uh-huh. I, when I sent out the thing, you was just looking at me that this guy, <laughs> you know. So so it is how to fit the messages in and which one God wants us to to look at at the particular time. I mean, if I'm driving here and God says I don't want you to preach that, I want you to preach this, then that's a different thing. You know, but I have to be prepared. I have to have a plan to know, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. So I have six messages to preach. So maybe what we're going to do is that from next week, the second message is supposed to be qualities of a disciple. So, uh, I mean, the sixth message, the last one. So maybe what I would do is from next week, um, I, would, I would break the message into two parts. So we, we will talk about hindrances to discipleship next week, but then I will give you three points from the qualities of a disciple. Then the week after, when we talk about, you know, the culture of discipleship, I will give you three points extra for qualities of a disciple. Do you understand? So we'll do it like that till we, we finish. So hopefully we can, we can get it uh, wrapped up that way. All right? So I want to beg you, please, don't miss any part of this. And if for any reason you're not able to be in church, try to listen to the message all over again. Go back. Even if you are in church, that's one of the things that we need to start to learn to do. That you cannot, it's proven, science has proven it, that you can't retain more than 30% of something the first time you hear it. You can't do it. Your, your brain simply cannot process more than 30% of the, of the thing. So for you to get the most of it, you have to go back and listen to it over and over again. And that's the way that you're going to get it to really, really become a part of you. Uh, there are some of my pastor's messages that I have heard so much that I know what's coming next. <laughs> you know, that, those kind of messages that you have heard it so much that you know exactly what it's going to say next. That's how I listen to messages. Uh-huh. I, I never say that, oh, I've heard this before, or I'm moving on from this. No, there's nothing like that because the word of God is new every morning, and that's the way we need to approach it. So let's start out here and define the terms. What is discipleship? What's discipleship? Discipleship is one of those things that is very difficult both to teach and to listen to. Uh, there's, there's going to get to a part of this message that uh, it's a bit tough to share. Uh, we're going to have some difficult conversations, but I'm not afraid to share those things. Uh, there's some things that we will say that are not very palatable, but it's for our own good. It's like eating our vegetables, as it were. So let's define discipleship. I looked at the dictionary, and the dictionary says that discipleship is a noun. It is the condition or situation of being a disciple, a follower or a student of some philosophy, especially a follower of Christ. This is the dictionary, okay? It says it's the condition of being a disciple, a follower, or a student of some philosophy, especially a follower of Christ. So that's what the dictionary defines discipleship as. So who is a disciple? That's the title of, the, of today's message. Who is a disciple? The dictionary also defines the word disciple as a noun. It says it is one of the 12 personal followers of Christ, one of the 70 followers sent forth by Christ, according to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. This is, I saw this in the dictionary, so it's not, <laughs> this is not from my head, okay? This is from the dictionary. Any other professed follower of Christ in his lifetime, any follower of Christ, 
a member of the disciples of Christ. So it says a disciple is one of the 12 original personal followers of Christ, one of the 70 who were sent forth by Christ, and any other professed follower of Christ during his lifetime. And then it says any follower of Christ. So it's talking about from, from the beginning, from the 12 to 70 to 120 to those of us who are alive today. Every one of us are disciples of Jesus Christ because we are following, we are following Christ. Now, it says a person who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another. A person who is a pupil or an adherent. Adherent means you adhere to the doctrines of another person. A follower. Now, most, most of the time when we hear, the, when we hear disciple, we, we interchange it with follower. But there is a little bit of a difference. And that's part of the things we're going to talk about today. All right? There's a, there's a slight difference. Because I know that in modern churches, we're getting used to this concept of calling Christians Christ followers. You know, it sounds nice. But honestly, there is a difference between a follower and a disciple. Following is part of discipleship, but there is a difference. And when we start to look at some of the things that the cost of discipleship and things like that, you would understand that there is a small difference between being just a follower of Jesus and actually being a disciple of Christ. So how does the Bible define the word discipleship? This is, this is where you need to take notes now. How does, let's start from the word disciple. How does the Bible define the word disciple? Uh, the little Greek word that was rendered disciple in the Bible is, I'm not going to tell you the word, I don't want to confuse you, it, it, but what it means is what is important to us. It is a learner, a learner, a pupil, right? A person who is being taught. So, the Bible says that a disciple is a learner, a pupil, a student, somebody who is being taught, all right? That's what it says. And then, a disciple is a person who believes in and follows the teaching of a particular leader. The two things, they are very, very important. The first one is that a disciple is a person who believes in. I underlined it here because those two things are very, very different and they are very important. Number one, the person has to believe in the doctrines of the, of the leader. He has to believe in it. Number two, he follows the teaching. That's where the, the word follower comes in, right? Follower doesn't mean I'm following you physically or I'm following you on Instagram. That's not what it means. It means I'm following the teachings of this particular leader. In this case, Christ. So when you say you are a disciple, what you are saying is I'm a student of Christ. I am following Christ. I believe in Christianity. I believe in, I always tell people that Christianity is not a religion. If they give you a form, feel Christianity there. <laughs> okay, if they say feel your religion, feel it. But you need to understand that Christianity is more than a religion. It is the life of God in the human spirit. That's what Christianity is, right? So when you say you are, a, you are a Christian or you are a Christ follower, what you are saying is that I believe in the, the teachings of Jesus. I believe that Jesus came, he died, he rose again. That's the premise. That's how you get into the boat. And then I follow the teachings of Jesus. I follow the teachings of Jesus. I'm, I, I, I don't just believe in it, but I follow it. So what is Christian discipleship Therefore, It's the process of making new believers and equipping them to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christian discipleship is the process of making new believers and equipping them to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this idea of discipleship is one of the major, um, the, the major concepts and the premise on which Believer's House is founded. The reason why we exist as a church is to lead people to Jesus, 
to make them more like him and see them lead others to him. That's another way of defining discipleship, is to lead people to Jesus, make them become more like Jesus by watching them grow into the, into the knowledge of God, into the stature of the fullness of Christ, and then see them go and lead others to Jesus. In other words, they are now making more disciples. This is important. Now, please stay with me. I know that this, this you know, when you, when you have to teach like this, it can be a bit quiet and, you know, and calm, but just follow me. This is important, okay? We are eating vegetables this morning, so just stay with me, all right? Now, let's, let's keep going. Discipleship, therefore, is helping someone to follow Jesus just as someone else helps you to follow Jesus. So, it's not a one-way, you know, thing where, okay, I am I'm now a senior apostle, Therefore, um, I can no longer have somebody who is discipling me. I can only have people I am discipling. Uh -huh. That's a wrong premise. In Christianity, that does not exist. No matter where you are on this journey of faith, you always have to have somebody you are looking up to the same way that other people are looking up to you. You must have somebody that you are following who is following Christ the exact same way that somebody else is following you. This is very important. Because there's the tendency for us to get, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in hindrances to discipleship, a tendency for us to get to the point where when we mature to a certain stage, we feel like we no longer need anybody, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to, we are no longer accountable to anybody, you know, we don't have to look up to anybody, everybody looks up to me, I am the, I'm the big man of God, as it were, right? That does not exist, so you have to understand that Paul said, follow me. As I follow Christ, you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let me run there. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Other translations say, follow me just as I follow Christ. So there has to be someone you are following who is also following Christ. There must always be someone that you are following who is following Christ. And what are you following? You are following their example of faith. You are, you are watching their life. You are looking at the way that they approach their faith. And discipleship is, is, um, is more than just, you know, me being on the stage like this and talking. This is part of it because you learn a lot this way. But I promise you, you will learn much more from me by actually watching my life, by being around me all the time, by being in my house. I mean, one of, the, one of the greatest privileges of my life, apart from being your pastor, okay, on the journey to this place that I did not know that God was actually using to prepare me was the, the two years of my life that I spent living with Feladrotoe. I learned more from actually just being around him than when we go out and he's on the stage, you know, and he's talking. Sometimes when he's talking on the stage, I'm not listening because I have to take care of other things. But just being around him, Seeing how somebody is committed to integrity, watching somebody who is committed to his wife, who is committed to his children, you know, looking at somebody who understands discipline and is living it out. I mean, it, 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 it's so bad that even the way I iron my clothes, my wife used to laugh at me that I would, I would turn my clothes inside out. The inside, not the outside, the inside, I would arrange the lines, right, and iron it, straighten it out because I saw him do that. So I learned a lot more from that. I learned, you know, how you, you that's why even when, when I was in Nigeria, I would never throw something outside the car. It's not possible. Never. Because I've seen him literally stop his car, get out of his car to go and confront somebody who threw something outside the car. 
<laughs> I saw that happen. So it's not like they told me, you know, it's something that I experienced. So I saw somebody who, you know, who modeled what it means to be a Christian, not in the pastor-pastor way, but in just living his life with integrity. So you will learn more, you know, from watching somebody, you, you know, you guys, you can go out, you know, you can, you can, you can, you know, be at, at a game together or be at, you know, whatever it is. That, but you, you have to find somebody who you can have access to. And this is, the, this is the challenge with a lot of people when it comes to things like this. People confuse the idea of role model with a mentor or a disciple. And I, 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 I tried to explain this when I was pastoring in youth church because people think that the person that they look up to who is so far away from them is supposed to be their mentor. Somebody, anybody you don't have access to is not your mentor. That person can be your role model. Do you understand what I'm saying? The person, like somebody you see only on TV or that, you know, is, is in a, a place far away, you can look up to people that way. But your mentor, in fact, I, I can tell you that the, the, some of the people, in fact, let me just say the person that has given me the most information that is directly relevant to pastoring this church, huh? you don't know his name. You don't know him. He's not, he's not somebody who is, you know, but he's the person that if I pick up my phone and I give him a call, he will respond, no matter what he's doing, he will answer me and say, I'm, I'm in a meeting, I'll call you back, you know, or something. Or he will pick up my, the phone and say, ah, Sharon, how are you doing? I can't talk right now, let's, you know, put the time for this. And sometimes he's on the phone with me for three hours, just walking me through things. That's mentorship. Uh-huh. It's not a role model that you can't, you know, somebody like, like Pastor Koju, for instance, is my role model. <laughs> I, can't, I can't call him a mentor because I don't have that kind of access that I can, I can just call him at any time. If I want to talk to Pastor Koju, I have to pre, <laughs> pre-announce and pre-schedule, you know, send a message and wait. When he responds, then I will carefully, sir, please, sir, I want to, sir, 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 and put all the sir in the right places <laughs> just to make sure that, you know, I get it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So these are two different things, but there has to be somebody that you have access to, that if something happens in the middle of the night that you need somebody to join their faith with yours, you have to be able to, I mean, when, when my wife was in labor and they were talking about some very funny things, I called Pastor Dio. It was in the middle of the night. I called Pastor D and said, Baba, get up, oh, this thing. <laughs> we are, and he was there with me on the phone and we were, we were scabashing. Even everyone knew that something had to happen. <laughs> you know, you need that. You need that in your life. And the person I'm talking about is, is in Regina. He's not even here. But if I pick up the phone and I call him, even sometimes my wife will look, we'll, I'll be on the phone for almost one hour. I will get home. We'll still be on the phone. We'll be talking and it will be walking you through practical things. That's discipleship. It's not that, you know, you, you don't have access to someone. I'm just trying to make it clear so that you understand that the person who will disciple you might not even be your pastor. Ideally, it should be. But if you don't have access to your pastor, there's going to come a time in this church that a lot of people who will come here will no longer have direct access to me. That time is coming. I know you can't see it now, but I'm telling you that that time is coming. Uh-huh. One of the things that, um, that my mentor that I'm telling you about in Regina, what he told me was that when they were starting their church, some people, um, now I'm leaving my notes, but I believe this is what the Spirit of God wants me to share with you. So let's, let's just flow, okay? He said to me that there were some people who, when they started their church, was, was, they told him, like, not that they told him directly, but, you know, people would talk to people, and the person that they are talking to, they don't know that this person is loyal to him. So the person is going to come and tell him <laughs> that this is what this person said. <laughs> so some people will say that, ah, that guy, like, we like his church, but he's too young. I don't think he qualifies to be my pastor. Do you understand that? And that's, that's legit. 
It's legit because it's been proven that, I was explaining to my wife that in ministry, I mean, some of the books that I read before we started this church, I saw clearly it's been proven that people who are, who you are, you are, you are, you are going to easily attract the most are people who are 10 years or, or less than you in age. That's the easiest age group for you to attract. It's not that other people will not come. Aha. Some people who are older than you will show up. Some people who are 10, who are five years younger will show up. But the easiest range, those are the people who think that you have something to teach them. Some other people will look at you and say, ah, this one. What does this one know? <laughs> what does he know that he wants to teach me? But the problem is, by the time they realize that you have a lot to teach them, the door of access would have been shut. So now, it's like five years since they started their church. Those people have now come to the church. The people that said, <laughs> they don't think he has anything to, like, he's too young to be their pastor. They are now in the church, but they no longer have access to him. Because it's the people who have sown the seeds. The people, it's people like you that I'm looking at now, that in another 10 years, you can't come and say you have a wedding, and I'll tell you that I have a speaking engagement. It's not possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's access. Uh -huh. Like, I'm thinking of one person in particular now. She's not even here. She has never been here before. But she has been the most consistent giver to this church from day one. Consistent. Every month, she gives. Every month. One day, I was, I, I was, driving, I was driving from work, and I asked myself, I said, if this lady is having... I mean, she, she has never come here. But it, it baffles me sometimes, you know? And I, I'm like, if this lady, for instance, this lady now, if one day, maybe, let's say, uh, Pastor Poju invites me to come and preach somewhere. Maybe they invite him to preach somewhere in Canada and he says, I can't go there. She won't, can you go and do this for me? You know, pastors do that a lot. He says, can you go and do this for me? And this lady that I'm talking about is having a wedding, a wedding on that day. Which one do you think I will go for? You are, you are still doubting. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you understand that people make investments in people's lives that they can't forget. That's what I'm saying to you. That that time cannot come. Then at that time, people will now say, ah, this guy, you are very partial. Why do you like some people? Why did Jesus pick Peter, James, and John? Because before they were at the, you know when they were at the, at the wedding feast? I'm really digressing, but I, I, I believe this is what God wants me to share with you. Now, when they were at the wedding feast, at that marriage, you know, you know that at that time, Jesus had not performed any miracles. But the Bible says his disciples were with him. He hadn't done anything special. Nobody knew him. But these were the people who left their boats, who left their net and followed him when nobody knew his name. The minute he did that miracle, everybody started looking for him. But at that time, the door of access was already shut. So it was only Peter, James, and John he could take to the mountain of transfiguration. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It was only Peter, James, and John. They, they were no longer, there was no longer access. The door was shut. So but at, the, at that time, there didn't come a lot of people who would show up here, who, who would say, that person does not even have our time. They don't know that you guys are the ones <laughs> that have been showing up here when nobody thought that you had a ministry. When nobody, you know, everybody would look at you and say, that one. I mean, it's just, I mean, there are things that people will say that they don't know <laughs> that will get to you. I don't say, you know, that one, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, the thing is still shocking him. Just wait. It will, it will soon be tired. <laughs> and there, I mean, Pastor Paul, you were sharing one that he said when he, when he started his church, he was still on campus when he started his ministry. And one of the people that he taught that, ah, these people, this one will follow me. Like, these are the people that will help us to do this church. Like he was going one day to go and talk to the guy, you know, just to tell him that, you know, let's do this thing together. And he got to the door of the, of the guy's room, <laughs> and they were talking about him. So he stopped and said, okay, let me just hear what they are saying. And the guy was telling the people in the room that, that, that but you don't mind him. God did not call him. God called God didn't call him. He's an opportunist. 
He's an opportunist. You just be saying God called him. God called. God did not call him. <laughs> okay, I better get back to my message. <laughs> if I just use the whole time to tell you stories. All right. So I'm trying to say that discipleship happens best in the context of Christian community. In the context of Christian community, there is no discipleship in isolation. Uh huh. You can't. You can't do discipleship online. There's nothing like online discipleship. I mean, it's just like a marriage. You can. You can meet somebody online. You can start dating online. That's valid. That's legit. But at some point, you have to move from the online and come into, like, marry each other and actually start living together. That's when you will know what you have gotten yourself into. Uh-huh. It's, not, it's not when you are online. I mean, my wife and I dated online. For, for We did long distance for a long time. So I know, I can tell you stories. Don't worry. When we start doing relationship series, you will hear our stories. <laughs> I can tell you stories. You will break up so many times without actually breaking up in words. <laughs> when you will not talk for three months, you're like, down. I don't want to see her again in my life. Online is not, is not the thing, though. Let me tell you, if you are watching online, you are dating somebody online, it's okay to temporarily, you know, do that, but you have to find a way for the both of you to come together. That's what it's all about. So that's how it is in discipleship. You can't say, I'm just doing online, all right? There has to be a point where you show up and actually start to do things. So you learn more from that, all right? So discipleship involves a community. It's a community. The church of God is not um, a, a group of random strangers who have no commitment to one another. That's not what the church is. Uh-huh. And I know there are, there are a lot of seeker-friendly churches now that is a, a crowd is gathered. That's okay. I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is, even those churches are deliberate about making the church smaller, even though it's getting bigger. They always make sure that everybody is connected in a small group so that people know who you are. You don't just show up in church and nobody knows where you live. Nobody knows your name. It's when you give birth, you'll not be asking for your number. Do you understand? Like, that's not church. Church is somebody shows up, everybody rallies around that person. People love on the person. The person knows that, ah, this place is a, is a community. Like, the people here are caring. That's what church is all about. All right? Now, when you look at the word disciple, you will see that it looks similar to another English word, which is discipline. That's where discipleship gets tough. <laughs> That's the point where it becomes, hmm, are you sure I want to do this? <laughs> are you sure? Because, you know, nobody likes discipline. But discipleship involves discipline. It involves mutual care. Mutual care and mutual discipline. So we have been instructed to make disciples. Let's look at Matthew chapter number 28. I've told you enough stories for today. No more stories. Matthew 28 from verse 19 to verse 20. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Many people want to follow Jesus, but they don't even know where he's going. You know that. Many, many people want to follow, but they don't know where he's going. <laughs> I got a message during the week. <coughs> it, was, it was pretty much yesterday that the person explained uh, themselves. And I understood that at least this person is trying to find out where Jesus is going before they actually commit. You know, because it was, it was explaining to me that I, I want to be a Christian, but I don't really know if I'm ready for the commitment. <laughs> And, it, and, I, and I appreciated the honesty because, you know, some other people would just say, oh, yes, Christians, let's go, we are there. But when the time comes, Jesus said you need to carry your cross. You need to carry your cross. We'll look at all of this in good time. Matthew chapter 4. Let's just look at a few more scriptures here. Matthew chapter number 4 from verse 18 to 20. Matthew 4, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then is then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. The Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. 
So Jesus is on the way to fish for men. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to understand that his assignment, where he is going, what he is looking at, is on his way to fish for men. You know, one, one, of, the, one of the things that uh, I, I learned from, from being with Fela was he taught us, you know, that when, when, because there's a lot of people that want to, you know, they're always reaching out to him. I want to, I want you to be my mentor. You know, all those kind of things are, are regular. You know, like, I want you to mentor me. I want you to mentor me. And then he said, he said one day, he said, what people don't understand about about this mentoring thing and, you know, discipleship or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty much the same thing, all right? What people don't understand is that you need to look at the person you are trying to reach out to. Find out where the person is going and see how you can contribute to that. That's what will attract the person to decide that, okay, I want to, I want to disciple this person because everybody has a goal. Everybody has somewhere they are going. It's the same thing with Jesus. You have to look at where Jesus is going and find out. Some people just want to be around you for what they can get from you. They don't want to add anything to your life. <laughs> so, so he's always saying that people need to realize that me too, I have somewhere I'm going. I have goals that I'm trying to achieve. If you can show me how you, being your mentor will contribute to achieving this goal, it will be easy now. I mean, me, I'm telling you now that I was living with him for, for two years. You think I was just living there and eating their rice and, and chicken? Uh-uh. We're writing books, <laughs> books over book after book. Sometimes in the middle of the night. So it's not, it's not that you just, you know, you're just looking. So, like me now, somebody will come now and say, uh, come and mentor me, come and be my disciple. I will ask you that where we are here, I, me, my, right now, my focus is here. So if you can't tell me how you, you, my mentoring you is going to contribute to what we are doing here, I mean, it's not, it's not value for time. You know? So those are the things that you need to look at. You need to look at who, who you, are, you are going to mentor how you are going to contribute to their life, it's, it's, it's supposed to be mutual contribution. It's not, it's not that one person is just milking somebody else dry. If that is the case, the person will get tired because you are a human being. You will get fed up. Like, ah, what's the, why is, this person is just always, you know, asking, asking. There has to be two-way, you know, two-way traffic here, two-way giving, where you are learning from the person. No matter how young the person is, you, are, you have to be able to learn from the person the same way the person is learning from you, you know, because you are at two different stages of life. I hope I made that clear. I made it a bit confusing, but I hope it's clear what I'm trying to say, that it has to be a two-way thing. It's not a one-way traffic. So, Matthew chapter number 8, let's keep going. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 to 22. Matthew 8, 19 to 22. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Look at that. <laughs> Teacher, I will follow you where... You know, it's easy to say some things like this. <laughs> Just look. I, I, I'm remembering the story of Jeremy that said, you know, when people used to come to his parents' church, you know, and, and they would just come and say, ah, pastor, we are with you forever. Ah, that he would just be laughing that look at these people. That two months, when you look two months' time, those people are gone. <laughs> so he said, anytime anybody comes and says, we are with you forever, ah, that they just know that ah, that's the end. <laughs> those words are cursed. Don't say those words, <laughs> please. You know, so this guy said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. In verse 20, he says, and Jesus said to him, you want to really follow me? Well, foxes have hooves, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What a recruiting strategy. I'm sure his discipleship department would have been looking at Jesus. What are you doing? We're trying to get more people. It's not to scare people away. <laughs> but he's not, he's not recruiting fair-weather followers. That's why he's telling them this. Uh-huh. He's not recruiting followers. He's looking for disciples because there's a difference. Let's, let's look at the difference between a follower and a disciple. Okay, and we'll tie it up with that. A disciple is technically a follower, but there's a slight difference. There's a slight difference. And I'll, I'll tell you two differences. Number one, a follower admires and supports a particular leader or an idea. A follower admires. You can be from afar and just like what somebody is doing. Like there are some people now that are looking, they are watching online or they, you know, they follow us on Instagram. They like Believer's House. 
a lot. <laughs> like, they admire, ah, they're like, wow, they're doing a good job. You know, everything is well done. You know, ah, I like that church. But <laughs> that's where it ends. <laughs> that's where it ends. When you say come or give or, you know, or come and give your time or we want to paint or we want to, ah, I say, ah, no, you have members in your church. Don't you have members? <laughs> Don't you have members that can do that? <laughs> so that's where it stops. I'm just saying that that's okay. It's not, I'm not saying don't, stop, don't be watching or don't follow. But that's a, a level. That's one stage. So that's what it is. A follower is. He admires and supports. They can support you from afar with word of mouth. They can support you. Ah, and, and you have goodwill with them. Goodwill. That, you know, people that, are, yeah, are believers house. Ah, it's a good church. Let me share something else with you. It just came to my mind. You know, I don't share a lot of things with you about what God tells me about the church because I don't want to scare you. Uh-huh. But today, I've, I've already told you so many things I did not plan to tell you, so I'll tell you this one too. <laughs> okay? So let me just tell you. One, one day I was here praying and God said something to me that, you know, really, like, shook me a bit. Uh-huh. But some of those things, I don't share them because if I share them, you might run away. <laughs> you might look at this guy, his vision is too much. I'm running away. God said to me one day that Believer's House... That, that day I was really, you know, in a very, I was in a funny state. You know, it's one of those days that, I mean, you are in a state where you're thinking, what, what am I even doing? Did I do the right thing? Who sent me this thing that I'm doing? <laughs> you know? And God said to me, he said, he said the premise of it was, was kind of like, as long, I, I can't remember the, the, the right phrasing, so I don't want to mess it up. But it basically is almost like saying, as long as, you know, day and night will not fail. You know, something like that, right? That believer's house is going to become the church in Halifax. You can write it down. That's what God said to me. He said, believer's house is going to become the church in Halifax. You know how people say, how people say, when you say uh, Redding, California, you say Bethel Church. Or when you say, uh, which other one can I use? Uh, North Carolina, you say Elevation. You know, there are some churches that are, that are synonymous with a particular city. God said that, be- I don't know how it will happen, no. <laughs> I don't know when it will happen. I don't know whether it will happen in my own lifetime or not. But that's what God said. And those are some of the things that God tells me that keeps me going. It just makes me know that, okay, I'm not too, you know, I'm, I did, I'm not really crazy. I know <laughs> I'm following God in this thing, right? So that's, that's, that's just by the way. I don't even know where that one came from. But we're talking about the difference between a follower and a disciple. You see, I've missed you guys. I'm just, I'm just sharing all my heart with you today. <laughs> a disciple believes in and actually follows the teachings of a leader. So while a, fo- a, a follower admires and supports a particular leader or an idea, a disciple believes in and then follows the teachings of a particular leader. Let me give you a very practical example between a follower and a disciple. Right now, I can announce and say we are fasting on Friday because we are fasting on Friday, okay? I'm, I'm still going to tell you at the end of the message, but I'm telling you now <laughs> that we are fasting on Friday because we're having communion on Friday. Now, I can say that now. This is how you know the difference between a follower and a disciple. A follower will listen to that and say, ah, that's a nice idea. They are fasting on Friday. <laughs> That's beautiful. Ah, what a church. I like this church. They are fasting on Friday. (laughs) They are fasting. Wow. That's a nice church. (laughs) That's a follower. A disciple will say, we are fasting on Friday. Wow. What am I going to do? How am I going to make sure that I can do this? Do you understand? That's the practical difference. Uh A disciple will will say, okay, we are fasting on Friday. Ah, how, How would I make this work? Okay, that means I have to adjust my life now. That Friday, I have to be able to, I have to accommodate the fact that we are fasting. Uh-huh. Because a disciple actually believes in the teachings and follows them while a follower admires. Uh-huh. And just say, ah, that's, that's nice. That's very good. They're fasting. Good church. Good church. I like that church. They fast. <laughs> that's where it ends. Okay? So that's a practical difference. Number two difference. A follower is unwilling to pay the price for discipleship. 
A follower is unwilling because there's a price. There's a price. There's the price of time. We'll still talk about all of that. There's a price of time. There's a price of, of so many different things. Just like that story of the rich young ruler that we read at the beginning. Jesus said, go and sell everything. Because, I mean, this guy was so rich. If he had come into the, into the fold and become the 13th disciple, he would be the richest among them. And it would be as if he's the one that everybody's looking up to. So Jesus said, go and sell everything and come. Then we will go together. The Bible says Jesus loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Imagine Jesus giving you a personal invitation, coming to you and saying, follow me. Imagine that. But the Bible says he had great possession. And do you know what's interesting? It's like the Bible did not actually, in this translation, he didn't say sell everything you have. He said sell whatever you have. He said sell whatever you have. So I'm thinking maybe Jesus didn't really tell the guy to go and sell everything. He just wanted to test to see, you know, what, what the guy's heart was made of. Uh -huh. But you can get to a point where it's not that you have money, but money has you. You will know when the time comes to give it up. That's how you know whether it is you who has the money or it is the other way around. So a, a, a follower is somebody who is unwilling to pay the price because there is a price that's attached to discipleship. But a disciple has burnt bridges to follow Jesus. He has burnt bridges to be able to follow the teachings of Jesus. So for a disciple, there is no going back. That's what I'm trying to say. There's no going back. It is... Either Jesus, right now, if anybody tells me that this Christianity is not true, eh? or maybe I see Jesus, he comes to my room and says, you know, this thing you are doing is fake. Don't follow me again. I'm no more Jesus. It's too late. We are me and you. <laughs> it's too late. Because what else am I going to do? Do you understand what I'm saying? The bridges are burnt. I don't have, there are people that I have told that if you, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you are going to hellfire. Then I will not go and tell them that Jesus is no more. No, 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 no. Whether you are real or you are not real, me and you, we are together. <laughs> That's what a disciple is. You have burnt your bridges. There's no going back. So you can't go back and go and say, oh, you know that thing that, you know when people just come and say they were Christians before and now they're atheists or they don't believe in God anymore. You were not really a Christian. You were, you were a follower. You were admiring Jesus. But you were not yet a disciple because a disciple has burnt bridges. There's too many, you know when they say the water has passed under the, under the bridge. There's too much that has, that has gone into this that you can no longer look and say, ah, you're no more doing it. So that's what it is. That's the slight difference between a follower and a disciple, and we need to put this in perspective, okay? So let, let's, let's tie this up together here. Let me, let's finish up with three, three questions, and I'll, I'll close today, and we'll, we'll pick it up from there next week. Can you, can you undo one more scripture? Okay. Only Jean wants, wants one more scripture. So, so I'll give Jean. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19. Let's look at this one, one final scripture, and then we'll, we'll, we'll tie it up with three questions. Matthew 19 verse 27 to 30. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? This is Peter asking him now. He says, we have left everything. So what's going to be in it for us? Then Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Then verse 29, it says, And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. It says, they will, I mean, there's another part of, uh, another, another part of, this, of the scripture, we'll, we'll still read that in the series, that, that says, you would inherit a hundredfold in this life, in this life, and then inherit eternal life. Jesus said, everyone who has left houses, I'm thinking of one more story that I want to tell you, but I'm looking at the time. Can you take one more story? 
<laughs> okay. You know, I just, I just thought about the story of Yongi Cho. His name is actually Yongi Chow. That's how to pronounce it. But we, all of us know him as David Yongi Cho. <laughs> okay. He was telling a story about, you know, when they wanted to build their church. You know, people just hear stories of people. They say, ah, he has the biggest church in the world. You know, ah, he has this massive auditorium. But you don't know the story, you know, behind the story. He said they were living in a house that was you know, a, a house <laughs> that, you know, is an envy of everybody, a, a correct house, right? That was like his wife's greatest possession. You know, women like house. <laughs> I was like, you know, his wife really, really, you know, liked the house. And then when it was time for them to build their church, that he was praying and saying, God, give us, give us money. You know, let people give and let people give. Let, and he was praying and just saying, God, please let people give. And one day God said to him, he said, the first seed that is going to start this building, you are living in it. You are asking me to tell people to give, but the, this first money that will start the process, before people will start to give, you are currently living inside it. Ah, he said, no, this is not God. <laughs> this one cannot be God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's, let's know God. What I'm saying is that you should let people give <laughs> so that we can. And God said, no, go and sell your house. That, that's the beginning. That's the seed. Ah, that he did, he, in fact, that it took him days to be able to tell his wife. Like, he, he prepped her very well. You know, then you now start behaving nice at home. <laughs> I start telling her how loving she is and how nice she is. And when she dropped, when he dropped the bomb, <laughs> the wife said, no way, we're not selling this house. You are who? Which house? <laughs> this house belongs to me. It's not your property. <laughs> That's when you know that Christianity is not just, uh, uh, just be talking with mouth. I, mean, I remember the, the day, one day I went to my wife and said, this camera that you're looking at, this video camera that we are, that looks nicer than all these other ones, <laughs> right? <laughs> this one. It was my wife's money that we used to buy the camera. Let me just tell you the story. The day I told her, because it's, it's pretty much the most expensive item that we have, apart from you know, paying our bills and whatever, the most expensive single item that we have bought so far is this camera. It was my wife's money. When the money entered our account, I, I, I thought about it. I said, God, I know this is what you want us to do with this money, but how am I going to tell her? The first time I told her, I said, we're going to buy a camera without money. She said, no way, no way. <laughs> she was sitting on my lap. She got up. <laughs> I said, which money? No way. <laughs> I just laughed. I said, God, help us. So. <laughs> because this Christianity of it, it's not mouth. I'm telling you, it's not mouth. It's not just, you know, just be talking with mouth. Say, we are doing church. No, when the, when the time comes that you have money that you can spend on yourself legitimately, that nobody will question you, and you want to release it for the kingdom, that's when you will know whether you are a follower or a disciple. Okay? I hope with these few points of mine, <laughs> before I tell you more than I'm supposed to tell you, <laughs> and my lunch suffers for it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, I hope with these few points of mine, I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you. So three questions. How is my life impacting other people? How is my life impacting others? Am I living for myself and my family alone? Who am I helping to be more like Jesus every day? You need to ask yourself that. How is my life impacting other people? Am I living for myself and my family alone? Who am I helping to be more like Jesus every single day? Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. And by the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and in all righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. My message was all over the place today, but I'm sure you were blessed. <laughs> this is not an organized way to preach, but... <laughs> Okay, that's good, that's good. <laughs> you did not forget. All right, that's good. Thank you for clapping. God bless you. All right, just a few announcements before we close. Um, we're still online, right? We're still online. All right, just a few announcements. 
uh, well, well not, not even a few, just one announcement pretty much. On Friday, I want to stress this, on Friday we are, we're going to be here for communion. Now, I know that for some people it might, it might be tight because all of us have different schedules, but I want to beg you, okay? Make sure that at least one member of your family is here on Friday, at least one, okay? And if you can't, you know, if you cannot all be here, make sure that one person comes and we will have the elements pre-packed so you can take back home. And, and share together because I, I don't believe that communion cannot be done at home. I don't believe that. Uh-huh. That's part of the things that we will teach before we, we break the bread. What communion signifies. If you ask me, left to me and my flesh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> if you ask me, personally, I don't want to do it. I don't, I, uh, Sunday is enough stress. <laughs> that to now be coming on Friday or first Friday is enough. But this is what God showed me some things and I know that he wants us to do this. There are some things that you will not experience as a Christian, if you are not obeying this instruction, because it's an instruction that Jesus gave us to do, all right? We'll, we'll talk about all of that on Friday. So if you're going to join us, we'll also stream it, but if you're going to join us online, we will be here from 7.30, but you can join us from 8 o'clock. So that's what we're going to do. From 8, we'll, we'll start to stream it. Uh, so you can prepare your own communion elements if you're at home. Prepare your own elements. You know, just get things ready. You can join us. We'll teach together, and then we'll break the bread together on Friday night. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.